Thanks again for listening to the RCF podcast. I'm here once again with Jonathan Soule from Quidnesset Baptist Church in North Kingstown. Welcome back, John. Yeah, it's good to be here again. Thanks, Matt. We had a great discussion last time on the basis of Christian unity, and uh, we just scratched the surface. I know we have a lot more to discuss, and we'll see if we can squeeze I'm, it in. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. So let's dive right in and continue our discussion. One thing that we should certainly talk about is John 17. Mm. When we think about unity, the first thing that usually comes to mind is John 17. Should we always be united? Because Jesus prayed that we would be one in John 17. But look at that passage. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 11. He prays that they may be one even as we are one. When he talks about being one, what does he relate it to? To the relationship Mm -hmm. between... The the Father and the Son. yeah, Yeah, him and God the Father. In that relationship, are there differences of mind, beliefs, purpose, Hmm. will. Uh, No. (laughs) Right, uh, right. In order that that we can have those same beliefs be unified, it has to be firmly grounded in God's Word. You know, if we're going to find those, what are those first-tier issues, that's got to be grounded in God's Word, not just what I think and what I think should be first-tier issues. Obviously, Mm -hmm. how else does that happen? How does unity happen? Through the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, There has to be a regenerated life, a new life that the Holy Spirit is changing our hearts and changing our lives and gives us that ability through Christ uh, for what what he has done, what he's already accomplished. And when those things are are present, we have unity. I think that's important. We don't have to try to force it. We are not told in Ephesians 4, 3, make unity happen. Right. Uh, we're actually told to preserve the unity or keep the unity. So it's something that's already there, not something that we create. On John 17, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, Nowhere in this chapter is there an exhortation or appeal to produce a unity. Our Lord is saying that the unity is already there, already in in existence. Indeed, our Lord does not address his disciples at all in this chapter. It is a prayer to God to keep the unity that he, through his preaching, has already brought into existence among these people. Mm. And you think of the book of Ephesians uh, as we're urged to preserve that unity or keep that unity. What did he teach in Ephesians 2? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's through Jesus, right? That Jesus tore down the dividing wall of hostility and he brought us unity. It's already there. And that we are to be living that out. And that's living with the reality of the gospel, what the gospel has already done. And I think when we even add to this, like, we need to make unity happen. Well, is that not almost adding to the finished work of Christ there? In Ephesians 2, that's the answer to so much of of ethnic distinctions and divides here, where there's so much disunity that's going on in our world today and it's been in the last, you know, six, seven, eight years. But you find that in Christ, all people, whether it be a Gentile, or a Jew who the greatest ethnic distinction divide that this world ever knew was between a Jew and a Gentile. And well, Paul's saying that what Jesus did was that dividing wall of hostility between you two uh, has been torn down. And now there's not all of this. There's one new person in Christ. And that's, that's the church, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's, there's unity there. Even Ephesians 2, 
that's your answer to, to racial tensions. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus, right? The gospel. Uh, let me ask this question. What is at stake if we unite with professing Christians or churches who believe different on those primary issues or are living contrary to God's word? What harm could it bring, I guess, is, is the question. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I think about that question in the very opposite. It's like, what good could that bring? But first and foremost, what is truth? What is truth? Because in doing so, I believe this kind of, we will partner around anything or align ourselves with anybody that says, you know, a few nice words. We are actually adopting the spirit of the age. Hmm. We're like, you know, we will say truth is absolute. But we will practice, you know, that truth is relative. And it's like, well, we can agree on like this minimalistic, incomplete system of doctrine. So I think truth, but then what does that do to an outsider? What what is an outside perspective when we think about what this does to, we've minimized truth. We've said, well, truth kind of matters, getting along much more. And then uh, I think it bears false witness. Uh, one of the issues is that we, we actually bear a false witness because we are not really creating unity. Mm. It's a surface level unity and a false witness will always send forth mixed messages. Those are just some issues that are at stake. Yeah, the lines are blurred for many people. And there's a temptation, even as a Christian, to loosen your beliefs or your conduct. If it's a worship night and we're all gathered and we're like, hey, aren't we all worshiping the same God? Why are we so worried about uh, some of these uh, core beliefs? I, I think we also have to you know, have some concern in certain events and things like that. Who's behind these things? Right. I mean, we actually had that with an event that comes to our campus almost every year, I think. It's called Carry the Love. And not only do they have connections with a church that, that we've been concerned with, but they also they point you to larger events that feature blatant false teachers like Benny Hinn, Bill Johnson, uh, guys like that, that if we're not paying attention we may end up leading other people to false teaching and heretical doctrines just because we gathered for a worship night. And so mm-hmm. our associations do matter. We've got to be careful of yeah. that. And so I think that's why Second John says, hey, be careful. You know, And John, the apostle of love, right? R- the guy who right. cares deeply about love one another. Yeah. But he's saying, hey, if somebody preaches something different than this, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in that person's wicked works. Yeah. And if you think about that in contemporary, that means don't put them on your television. Mm. That means don't, don't live stream them. Mm-hmm. That means don't read their books, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not calling for censorship, but I am calling for discernment. Yeah. Um, and don't platform that person by putting them even on your shelf. Right. Right. Um, Interesting, the apostle of love is also one of the sons of thunder, too. So when you think about like you can you can be both. You should yeah. be both. And so he was uh, the apostle of love, love one another. And, you know, we get so much of the unity type of, of writings from him, the one mm-hmm. another's. John 17, John wrote that as he's recounting the, the words of Jesus. But he is also, he's going to draw hard lines. Mm-hmm. And it's not an either or. It's a both and. I actually Actually, drawing hard lines is a demonstration of love. Because when we think about it, we love people so much that we say, hey, stay away from this. Don't go there. Be careful. Because nobody has ever drifted into sound doctrine. Mm. You only drift in one direction. Right. And so what might just be this kind of, hey, let's come together for a worship night. Well, what could come of that? Mm-hmm. 
and it could always go in one direction. So I think that's something to be careful of. And so there's there's a lot of dangers and pitfalls when unity is promoted at the expense of doctrinal clarity. Of, of what is it that we are actually rallying around. And, and I wonder, would, would the same crowd come to worship night if it was, hey, let, we're going to stand up and do an expository message on Second John, yeah. on what true unity is. <laughs> you know, we're not going to sing. We're just going to preach. Yeah. Here's worship, you know. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the warnings and when we should not be unified, some of those aspects. We highlighted that because that's really what gets ignored today when in talks of unity or in pursuit of unity. And it may be out of a good desire for unity. We want to see the body of Christ come together, but we need to be careful. So we have to talk about these warnings, mm-hmm. but we also need to talk about what do we need to do to keep the unity, to preserve the unity, these commands that are given to us. How do we do that? So what are we called to do if we're not just called to gather under one big, broad tent? Yeah. Uh, one, we should teach and instruct God's people in God's word helping to, if we're talking about unity, and from Ephesians chapter 4, you talk about this unity together, and that we are to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then Paul would go on just a few verses down in that chapter and talk about how the local church has been given pastors and teachers to equip the saints so they would be built up. They wouldn't be tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, right? So that we might grow in our understanding. So certainly one way of maintaining or fostering this is good Bible teaching, people that would hold to a high view of the scriptures, a church that exalts Jesus and doesn't do TED Talks, but preaches the word. Uh, I think those are some. Faithful fellowships, being a part of Rhodey Christian Fellowship, because we aren't these doctrinal misers in the corner or these guys in ivory towers that are, you know, it's all this doctrine and theology, and unless you can climb my ivory tower, or do you can't be a part of my inner club of super Christian. We're not mm-hmm. talking like that, but we are saying that we hold these truths and this gospel and our Savior in such high regard that to settle for anything less is a dishonor to God, and, and, and it robs God of his glory. Yeah. And so so ultimately, whatever we believe is most exalting to the glory of God uh, and puts us right in our place, it, it could be unifying, you know, yeah. when we think about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, certainly. In understanding properly what unity is and casting aside that picture of it's just us sitting around the circle, holding hands, everybody's yeah. happy, everybody's singing, and it's just yeah. this this experience kind of thing. The biblical view of unity is, if we're going to keep the unity, it's going to be through exhorting and correcting one another. And so that has to do with, if we're going to stay true to the scriptures, we don't want to drift into error. Part of unity is doing the hard things like that, yeah. that that we have to... Mess. It's messy oh, at times. Not fun. No, I, I, as you were talking, my mind just went right to Galatians 6, where Paul says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's That's mess- unity. That's unity. Yeah. That my brother will come and say, hey, John, you have, you've either fallen in this transgression. I don't want, I'm going to need to bring this correction to you. And that's what's maintaining unity. Mm-hmm. Silence is not unity. Mm-hmm. And that's oftentimes even where we would like, hey, I, I kind of disagree with you on this or that. And we don't talk about it. 
So in order to preserve unity, we just don't talk about it. I, right. I, no, that, that's called sweeping it under the rug. Right. right? That's the elephant in the room. Yeah. There's, there's no unity when there's an elephant in the room. Yeah. And unity is also in regards to if we have a personal issue with someone and there seems to be disunity because of that, this is where we do need to be reminded from Ephesians 2 mm-hmm. that we're united yeah. in Christ. I go right to Philippians chapter 2. We mentioned that there were two women in the church that disagreed, and Paul urges them to agree in the Lord. Yeah. Disunity in this instance, is not because of gospel truth, maybe personality differences, um, we may be wronged by the other person, whatever. In those instances, we need to keep the unity that Christ has already provided for us. Right, and and to live out biblical unity, as we've been talking about, uh, we all have to be willing to take a heavy dose of humility. Right. Where pride reigns, humility suffers, but unity does too. You can create a false unity. Yeah. Um, and you can actually take pride in the false unity that you've created because you created it. Uh, or we can be humble and say, as was already stated, this unity already exists. And we have been, as we've been regenerated, born again, it is our duty and our mission to preserve it. You also think Paul's letters, especially, but Peter as well and John, you can say the whole of the epistles. Unity is a very, very important subject because a unified, in the context of a church, a unified body is a testimony to the world. There's something different here because because there are bonds in Christ, where Paul would tell Titus, as for a person that stirs up division, warn him once, warn him twice. Disunity is dangerous. It's a poison to the church, too. So we must do our part, and, and it comes through, through humility. Yeah, and, and regarding that, I even I think of... Something like Romans 14, as that's a chapter about unity. That if we're trying to get others to go against their conscience, that's not unity, right? And here's a mild example. We're convicted that singing music from false teachers in false churches is not good. Yeah, not, no Hillsong <laughs> Elevation. <laughs> yeah. So at RCF, we try to be really careful what we sing. And if someone were to come along and tell us, hey, loosen up for the sake of unity— that's not unity. Not That's not biblical unity. Unity isn't loosening biblical ma- commands or even your strong convictions, which are based in the Bible, in order to get fellowship with other professing believers mm-hmm. who may possess a more liberal view on that. That's not unity. It's actually compromise. And so Romans 14 gives us a picture of what that unity looks like. He tells us in, in verses 20 through 23 that um, if we believe something's wrong, it's wrong for us to do it, even if it's for unity's sake. So those who want to lure us away from our convictions you know, may actually be causing us to sin. That's a, that's a serious thing. Mm-hmm. But what unity would look like in a Romans 14 context is that if I know you have a conviction, not just a preference, again, but uh, I know you have a conviction about this, then I would be like, John, let's sing these songs that we agree upon. That promotes unity. The same goes with spiritual gifts and a lot of these sure. other things. Sure. If we're going to gather together and be unified, I'm deferring to you. I'm counting your convictions as mm-hmm. as more important, and that's where the humility comes in. Yeah, it just gives us a great picture of unity. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you a question. So we talk about this unity. Well, the pushback is your doctrine person. 
well, I, I don't really have doctrine. That guy said, and I said, no, no, you do. That is your doctrine. Yeah. You need to improve it. Um, but doctrine divides, right? And you're, love unites. Lo- yeah. So the pushback is yeah. you're the doctrinal person. Yeah. You're the person that, you know, you care about theology. Why don't you lighten up a little bit? How do you respond to a situation where it's like, Look at all of us. We're five associations over here and we can all get along mm-hmm. and you're the outsider. You're just, you're a doctrine person. How, how do you respond to that? That it's through scripture. When we hold to scripture and we, we have that unity of mind, that's where we find our unity. Yeah, I think there is that perception that, that doctrine does divide, but that's the only true mm-hmm. basis that we have. Uh, anything other than that does present a, a false unity. Yeah, I think doctrine is kind of like peeling the husk of the corn, right? It's it, it's getting the outer layers or maybe what was kind of on the fringe and getting to the core of what brings us together. And I think it's a false statement. I think you're right. Saying that doctrine divides, I'm just left to think, well, then what is it that unites? Mm-hmm. I would encourage students, anyone listening, to find your unity in doctrinal unity. And what are the things that we can lock arms and, and partner with uh, those of maybe another church, uh, another organization. But these are my essentials. Yeah. Kind of two final thoughts. When we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to also remember this is the most exclusive message that there is. No one can come to the Father but through the Son. There is only one way one truth, one life. And so we hold to the most exclusive message. And we also believe it is the most inclusive insofar Mm -hmm. as who can come. Mm -hmm. All who are willing, we invite all people without distinction to find their unity in the person work of Jesus Christ. So it's both exclusive and inclusive. And a final thought, when for especially for students, as as you think over these and as you have these tough conversations, and uh, don't shy away um, because it might make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I would encourage uh, students to talk to either their pastors, their student leaders, and ask them about unity. Mm-hmm. And you will learn more about what they forbid than what they permit. And so have that tough conversation and find out where do they draw the line. Mm-hmm. And if they don't draw, if they don't have lines, they don't have lines yeah. I think you should be very careful and you should yeah. be worried. Yeah. You want to be sitting under and in ministries that do draw lines. You, you have to. Yeah. Let me close with Psalm 133. We all know that verse. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Unity is a great thing. And what an encouragement to be at peace and of the same mind with others designed by God to encourage us and build us up in the faith. And that only comes when Jesus has changed each of our lives. Amen. And so praise God that he gives us that gift of unity. Let's steward it well mm. and, and keep the unity as he's called us to do. John, thanks for joining us again. It's been a pleasure having you here. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the RCF Podcast. If you have questions about what you've heard and would like to talk further, you can email us at podcast at roadiefellowship.com or feel free to visit our website for more information on RCF. You can visit our website, roadiefellowship.com or visit us on Instagram at roadiefellowship.